This podcast is sponsored by Great White Hot Sauce. It's a small batch, handmade hot sauce, made specially for you. So if you like hot sauce, you'll love Great White Hot Sauce. It's the hot sauce that bites back. Find it at www.trygreatwhite.com. Favorite albums. Everybody has one. Or two. Or three. Maybe four. How about five? What are your five favorite albums? Well, on this episode, we're going to talk about our five favorite albums. Some might be popular. Some might be obscure. Some might be good. Some might be bad. Well, that's your decision. Listen in and find out. KOFB Studio presents Milk Crates and Turntables, a music discussion podcast hosted by Scott McLean with his co-host Jack Calabrese. Now, let's talk music. Enjoy the show. All right. Thank you, Amanda, as usual, for that wonderful introduction. This, welcome to the episode for all the viewers and those that are listening in the podcast world. Um, this is going to be a good show. I'm excited about this show. Uh, and let me let me start right off by saying, if, if you have a friend that likes music, if you're watching this live stream or if you're listening to this podcast and you have a friend that likes music, share this with them. See if they like it. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But share it. If you like it, I'm sure they'll like it. Anyways, let's get on to the show. So... This week's episode is five favorite albums, and we actually have a guest this week. For the first time on the show, we got a guest. He's a YouTuber, he's a Twitcher, and uh, we'll bring him on. I'm not even going to say his name yet. I'm going to let you guys. I think he's famous. No, he's not really, but maybe he will be someday, and uh, and then we'll say we 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 brought him on first. So, anyways, without further ado, let me bring on somebody that isn't famous. And will never be famous, as long as I can help it. So, my co-host and my great friend Jack Calabrese. Hey, how oh, how's it going, man? It's going good. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. Although I am in the one room in our house that is not air conditioned. And up there in your part of the country, it's about a hundred degrees today. It's ninety-ish. Yeah, nice. South Florida was like I don't know eighty-ish. Hair is all frizzy. Everything's sweaty. Yeah, it, it's sweaty. so hot. Your hat is torn, but I don't know. So, all right, you ready to do a good show? No. Yes. Well, Absolutely. I know. Jammed at work, but you know the podcast must go on. It must. The show must go on. So I, I want to clean up a couple things from last week. Okay. Um, well, actually, I want to go back whew, six episodes, maybe when we oh, talked God. about women in music. Yes, uh, I, I've been thinking, and, and I've had a, a a revelation. I've had an epiphany. I've had a change of mind, and knowing me, as you know me, uh, that's not easy. <laughs> that's not easy. But I did. Uh, I, I do have to bend the knee 
and say that I was wrong about Joni Mitchell. I, I, I was wrong. Um, I forgot how talented she really is. I, I guess it's one of those, you grow up with it, you hear it, and you just, you underestimate it because it's, al- it's always been right in front of you. You know, well, so I never really, I, I couldn't see the forest through the trees when it came yeah, to Joni Mitchell. Look, look, you know, I think that Joni Mitchell is, in some regard, an unsung hero. I think she's underrated for her overall contribution to music. I mean, look, she's iconic. She's a legend. She's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She has the admiration and respect of many, many musicians. But when you think about the time that you and I had, you know, kind of come up and grew up it wasn't our type of music. You know, we were kind of fed that you listen to hard rock. So it's easy to kind of to miss Joni Mitchell, but you can't deny the body of work, her originality. She's a tremendous, tremendous songwriter. I I have to interrupt you for a second. Uh, All right. Mr. Producer, can we get Jack a fucking cough button, please? He's sniffling. (laughs) He's coughing. Jeez, now he's drinking tea. Jesus, Jack. Anyways, as you were saying. That's yummy tea. Bourbon tea. You don't want to drive on this tea. (laughs) Well, yes, Joni Mitchell is a a fabulous artist, and and I stand corrected. I will not ever. Wait a minute. Let me ask you something. Oh, boy. That that Mr. Stand to be corrected. (laughs) Don't make me change my mind again. Did this revelation occur because you did a little bit of research or did you actually go and listen to her music objectively and made the decision because you were moved by her music? You know, were you moved sonically? Hey, you like that? Moved sonically. Oh, this is like your fucking negative space comment last week. (laughs) Now it's, uh, were you moved sonically? Do you look this shit up before you come on the show? Like, yeah, Anyways, turn turn your speaker down. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so, no, I actually went back and listened to her. I just uh, turned the the brightness down on my computer. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Scott, the IT guy, when we need him? I know tea. where he is. He's I eating like fucking pretzels and drinking Diet Coke watching the show. Um, no, I went back and listened to her, her music, and uh, I forgot about a lot of hits that she had. It's like, again, you hear it so much. You take it for granted. So, aside well, they, from- you know, but it's, it's interesting that we're having this conversation because I think it was last week was the 50th anniversary of her releasing Blue, which is regarded as one of the all time greatest albums of, yes. of, of all time. And just an amazing, amazing record. Yes. But I get it. You know, we, we kind of weren't brought up in that era. We weren't, we weren't brought up to listen to that type of music. Well, it was on. It, it was on AM radio when we were in the seventies. Well, the hits you know? were right, and she had a lot of them. She had a lot of them. Um, yeah, she did. So, the second thing, and it's it, it was interesting. I I've, I discovered this uh, a long time ago, right? And I I never really thought much of it. So, we we talked about Ticket to Ride last week, right? And did you ever, what's, what's the, would you say every breath you take is a stalker song, right? 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's supposed to be a stalker song, although many people used it in their wedding anniversary. Right. So Ticket to Ride is actually a pretty demented fucking song. Did you ever really listen to the lyrics? I think I'm going yeah, I think I'm going to be sad. I think it's today. Yeah, the girl that's driving me mad is going away. She's got a ticket to ride, but she okay. She said that living with me is bringing her down. Yeah, for she would never be free when I was around. And then you go, she's got a ticket to ride. And it says, I don't know why she's riding so high. She ought to think twice. She ought to do right by me. Before she gets to saying goodbye, she ought to think twice. She ought to do right. In other words, I'm, I'm coming after you, lady. <laughs> um, it's a maybe. pretty dark song if you hear it. May- maybe. Uh, you know, I, I think that's well, one of the. What part of those lyrics are a maybe? Well, I mean, you're you're interpreting that that there's going to be some type of violent encounter. Well, I don't know. Let me see. I don't know why she's riding so high. In other words, I don't know why she's so happy. She ought to think twice. She ought to do right by me. In other yeah. words, you better do me right, girl. Before she gets to saying goodbye, she ought to think twice. She ought to do right by me. Right? So it's pretty much those words are pretty much like, you better do right by me. Now, subject to interpretation, I think you're bringing it up further than, than, than you should. But no, maybe not. Maybe I'm not. not. Maybe not. I mean, you know, the, the, the first comment that I'll make about that is, is that is kind of the genius of John Lennon's lyric writing. He writes from the heart, whether it's – let's put it this way. He writes honestly, even if it, it reflects on him poorly. Now, now the thing that, that may lay credence – not Clearwater Revival – to your theory is that John Lennon, you know, give peace a chance, imagine and all that, was a woman beater. Yeah. He was a bad boy. You know, different time, different place, not excusing it in, in any way, shape, or form. He was a, a, a genius in many regards, but he was a complicated guy. And he was a misogynist, too. And he was patriarchal, too. <laughs> the fuck is that voice? What is that supposed to be? That's well. That's that's how people say that. <laughs> you are an idiot. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. You are an idiot. <laughs> the delay. See? Uh, See the effect of that negative speech? Uh, I saw that coming as soon as you said that. Uh, let me see. Dave Phillips, is, <laughs> John Lennon was deep. Yeah. Deep into his ego. That's for sure, too. Um, so... All right. Well, this week's episode is now that I got this out of the way that I was right and you were wrong again. About what? What? Wait a minute. Where, when was I wrong? You, you, your your interpretation was wrong. You didn't uh, even give an interpretation. See, that's that's at the least I stepped up and had an interpretation. That that is the beautiful thing about songwriting, is that you can uh, interpret it in your own way, much like you know a lot of poetry. As a matter of fact, oh. one of the things since you brought up. Every breath you take, Sting was not a big fan, or stated that he wasn't a big fan of music videos because prior to MTV, when you listen to a song, you got your own visuals in your head. You you use your own imagination, imagination, and you created your own story. And when MTV came around, they actually created that story for you and kind of ruined that aspect of it. Whoa, whoa, now whoa, it whoa. didn't stop. It didn't stop Sting from Wait. doing. Video after video after video after video. They were not telling a story, dude. No. 
No. When MTV first came out, none of the videos made sense. None of it matched up to the music until like the late 80s into the 90s. But those early videos, like I always say, Haircut 100s, Love Plus One, they're in the fucking jungle getting chased by cannibals. Yeah, and but, they're but put into a, a giant pot. No, 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 You hold on a second. You hold on. Come on, tell me the story. Come on, tell me. If if you if that song comes on, what goes through your head? What is the visual picture that you get in your mind? You get them in the jungle. But that's not the story. No, 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 no. But what I'm saying is if you had no, never you said had what Stace a- said. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. <laughs> if you had never had access or seen that video, no. your mind may have created something no. different, maybe even far better than what was actually created for you. No, I said See, this what is you the thing said, that I'm trying to tell you, Mr. Potato Head. I said what you said that Sting said about hey, what he said was the, the video tells the story of the song. Now, you said that it doesn't i said it didn't so i said it doesn't do anything so when you said that sting said i'm confused you are a moron where did i just go with okay here's here's the reality of it is is that if you had listened to the song love plus one by haircut 100 which to your point has nothing to do with the jungle but when you hear that song that's what you see in your mind and what Sting was saying, and I happen to agree with him, is if the videos hadn't been created, you would have come up with your own imagery. Yeah, that's that's deep. Okay, <laughs> sure. Okay, whatever. Okay, so listen, let's go. On, let's get on with the show. Five favorite albums. Okay, now this is not an easy subject. Everyone might think, oh, but when I was trying to pick these five favorite albums, this. I bumped them off. I added them back in. I, I It was just, it's kind of brutal if you really have to break it down. As Jack walks away from the camera. There you go, buddy. Live streaming at its best. I needed a tissue. Needed a tissue. Oh, my. We're 15 <laughs> minutes in, and you're a disaster already. Did oh. you? Are you? <laughs> did you just blow your nose? Oh. Okay. Anyways, so we have a guest this week. We have a guest this week for the first time on the on the podcast. I met I met this guy through YouTube. Uh, he has a he has a good YouTube channel. Uh, I found that he 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 he's a very interesting take on music. He's listened to upwards of fifty thousand albums. Now I know for a fact, just in the last two weeks, he's listened to uh, at least ten that that I know of. So, um, his name is Cole Cross. Let me bring him on. He's a YouTuber. His channel is The Music Hole. What's up, buddy? Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. When I saw your... Uh... <laughs> Don't say thank you, you guys, yet, big boy. You guys yeah. just ruined Haircut Plus One for me. Now I think of The Jungle. Love Plus One. is. <laughs> I love the song. I never actually. saw that video. <laughs> oh, you got to go back and watch it. So, yeah, Cole, Cole is... Uh, he's. he's not significantly younger than us, but he's he's younger than us by maybe a couple of decades. <laughs> I'm 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 an adult now. I can safely not, ah. not say young adult anymore. Cole, Cole, <laughs> are you on this show because you want to talk music, or do you need us to buy you some beer? Yeah. Oh my god, both please. Buy him some monsters. Uh, Jack, who, who sang monsters. that? Who What's sang that? that? Who sang that song, Jack? I'm sang an adult song? now. I'm what, an adult it? now. 
I'm an adult now. I'm an adult now. I don't know. Canadian band. I'll let you hang on it. Anyways. Uh, Canadian I thought, band? I thought you were singing that Tiffany song. April That's Wine? No, no. Rush? Moving on. Brian Adams? Phil, Phil Kelly knows who sings it. So. And? I think I think we're alone now. I thought that's what you're singing. No, no. <laughs> well, Jack's he plays guitar, but he doesn't really. Anyways, so let's get this five favorite album started. I will kick it off. Well, wait with, a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Wait a minute. We have this a guest. is the fourth time you said wait a minute. Wait a minute. We have a guest. That Don't was, you think that we should let Cole kind of little you know tell was, us a little bit about himself? That was my time in the sun. Now it's over. That's it. Your fifteen seconds of fame. That's it. All right. See you guys. Bye. So look at now you both. I, like- I, you know, look. You know, it's great that we want to talk about your five favorite albums, but I'm intrigued. What's my you, five least favorite albums? Girl? You 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 say that you've listened to or is it fifty thousand albums? So I say the word check out very specifically because. Okay. So yeah, so does that mean? Are that? you? I'm sorry. Say again. Because I, I explained what I mean by that, like on my channel and everything. Because I use that, I use those words very specifically because people get really upset with me. <laughs> so is it that people interpret that you're saying that you've listened to fifty thousand vinyl albums, and you know you, it may be that you're actually just streaming different no, things? The the problem is, so what I do is I listen to the first three songs, and what I'm trying to do is is say to myself, uh, do I think this is one of the best albums I've ever heard? And so if three songs in, if I'm kind of like, I'm bored, I just move on. <laughs> uh, so people, I say that to people and they're like, oh, that's not how you do it. That's, you know, that's total BS, which is kind of true to some degree. But there's so many albums. There's like hundreds of thousands of albums. You can't listen to all of them. So you got to like figure out a way to do it. Yeah. So uh, was was this a, a goal right out of the the outset that I'm going to in, intentionally listen to X amount of records with my goal of doing Y? Uh, so what happened was three years ago, I had no idea what the heck I wanted to do with my life. I was trying to be a Twitch gamer. I was trying to be a professional poker player, which I still do, uh, the poker part. Uh, the gaming part was not working at all. <laughs> so I, I had I was fortunate enough to have enough money where I could just research music 10 hours a day every day until I couldn't take it anymore. So I did that for like three years. Uh, and I just it just happened. It literally just happened to be about 50,000 albums when I finally like counted it. <laughs> that's, I mean, it's, like, it's that's an pretty- awesome number. It's a pretty amazing thing. I mean, have you always been a huge fan of music? I mean, is this? Oh, yeah. I'm always, ever since I was 18, uh, I've always been interested in, like, Pitchfork's new album reviews or, like, Rate Your Music. People have, like, their best albums lists on Rate Your Music or, like, Spin Magazine. I'm just always going through people's favorite picks. Yeah. Um. Although eventually I ran out of them about like 5,000 albums in. So I was like, well, how do I find anything else? So it's actually a lot easier than you think. Like, for example, on Spotify, if you go to a band's page, there's a part that's called fans also like. And you can just go down this rabbit hole of like just infinite bands that you've never heard of. That are I've apparently, done that with Amazon. So, I've done so that. 
I'm I'm curious to know, you know, what what was the thing that kind of set you off on your path of loving music? So if you go back into your childhood, so think back two or three years of the thing that really kind of pushed you into like I dig music, like this is my thing. Do you remember what uh, it was? You mean like the earliest memory or whatever? Yeah, you know what. It doesn't necessarily have to be the earliest memory, but what 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 was the the record song band artist yeah, so, that day you were like, oh my god, I love music and I'm gonna pursue this. Um, so I have very fond memories of my parents playing the Joshua Tree, Out of Time by REM, and then what is it, brother Brothers in Arms? The oh, Darius, Darius they were always playing those three albums. And I just remembered like all the big hits. I was like, you know, I didn't necessarily like register what this meant in like the grand scheme of things. I was like, Oh, I like these songs. Yeah. And Scott, then, how um, does that make you feel that, you know, he's talking about his parents playing music when he's a young kid and it's the records that we were listening to when we were, Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually thought you were going to say that. That's awesome. It, well, it, it is awesome. I think it's yeah. actually really, really cool. And you know, I got to be honest with you. I mean, and Scott, I, I think you, I think you feel the same. Is, is that I, I, I am quite happy being the age that I'm at. You know, we lived through a really interesting and fun time and whatnot, and here we are where we're at. And I think it's totally cool. Absolutely, every, everything hurts. <laughs> yeah, everything well, so hurts. There is one other thing which is definitely a major influence on me. Which, as I mentioned, I was a big gamer. So I was always playing, like, Mario and Zelda, Final Fantasy, and all these games. And, like, back in the 90s, the composers for these games were just unbelievably good. Um, in fact, one of my top five albums is the soundtrack for one of these games, which I won't spoil right now, but that's how much it meant to me. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, we're glad you're here. Yeah, yeah I mean, you guys, you guys have an awesome podcast. So, thanks, thanks again for having well, me. Well, this on. won't be the last time you'll be on. I can, I can guarantee you that because anybody that has, we're always interested in in people that uh, that are interested in music, and yeah. you have an interesting take on how you uh, rate your albums. Is you you make it personal, which you don't just go in and shred, you know, or glorify. Well, can, just, can I say something about that? No. Uh, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go on. Um so when I first started the channel, I didn't know what the heck I wanted to talk about exactly. All I knew was I really like these albums and I want to share them. to my world. <laughs> so like what do I what do I say that could possibly be interesting to anybody? Uh so early on I kind of realized well, if I play a song for you and you hate it, but I like it, there's almost no point in me trying to explain to you why I think it's so good. It's just kind of a waste of my time, in my opinion. So right. the more interesting conversation is, well, here's the song, and this is what it meant to me, like from a thematic or lyrical standpoint or philosophical standpoint. Because um, I, like, for instance, I've never listened to an album, hated it, and then read some glowing review in Pitchfork and decided, oh, yeah, of course. What was I thinking? <laughs> oh, well, you know, critics and reviewers, that. But they, they're, you know, they're they, worth they the paper can't. they're written on. 
there, there can be transformations. Uh, you know, like I, I remember, and I think I might have told this story before, you know, but, you know, the, the, the band Radiohead, you know, critically acclaimed and, and I loved some of their stuff and, and didn't really understand some of their stuff, but read over and over what a brilliant band they were. And I, I kid you not, I was literally cleaning out my refrigerator. <laughs> and and we we had a CD player in a closet in our kitchen, and I had I had purchased in rainbows because I, I was determined to kind of get this band, and yes. I put on a, in rainbows, and I listened to it, and I was like, I don't get it. Okay, let me stop you there. You and I actually had a kind of a running debate over that album. I loved that album, and you well, were like, you it's a horrible finish. album. You, you need to let me finish. No, I wanted to say I liked it first. That's what I wanted to do. All right, so. you win. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Let's move on with the show. And congratulations. Pick a pair of ears out of the box, Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> Go on. Um, Mr. Refrigerator Cleaner. Shut up. <laughs> Go on. I, I So I listened to it and just kept it on repeat. And I kid you not, after like the third time, I could not stop listening to that record. I fell... So head out, head over heels, deeply in love with that record. That you know, it's to me. You know, I know we're talking about our, our top five. That that's that's definitely one of my favorite records of all time, and, and really turned me on to that band. And then I went and saw them live on that tour, and was just completely fucking blown away. Yeah. Well, can I, can I share another thought uh, related? Sure. So, I also firmly believe that. Uh, like for, let's say the Beatles. So I'm like, oh, you never heard the Beatles, right? Someone might say that. Oh yeah. In my in my opinion, it really doesn't matter at all. Like it, it has no bearing on anything. So what I mean by that is, my mom is a huge book fan. She's read like thousands of books, and I have I've read like five books in my entire life. <laughs> so you you could argue like, wait wait, well, wait 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 wait, five books your entire life. Well, I mean, I had English class with books, but I never read them. So, so the, five, the five books that you've read in your life, do you remember the titles of any of them? No. Okay. How about <laughs> concerts, Cole? How, how many concerts have you been to? I've been to like maybe six concerts ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I can name them for you. Well, we would like uh, that. All Jack right. So we've like got that. we've got Bob Dylan. I've seen so these did, once. Did, did you like Bob Dylan? I, w- I wasn't even paying attention half the time. This was, this was like, this was late 90s Bob Dylan. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's for the podcast listeners. That's Jack imitating Bob Dylan singing. Okay. We, we get it. We get it. We back back to you, Cole. Back to you, Cole. Uh, I saw him. I saw Sting. Uh, fresh off the brand new day tour, that was fun. Uh, and then Sonic Youth, uh, Yola Tango, uh, Elf Power, which is a deep cut. In, <laughs> uh, uh, I think it was Built to Spill. I can't remember. See, I can't. Even, I can't even remember. <laughs> I think okay. it was Built to Spill. So, wait a minute, Elf Elf who? So there's a there was a movement in the south in the late '90s called the Elephant Six movement with like of Montreal, Elk River, River Elf Power, Beulah, some other people. I don't know. Is that like Neutral Milk Hotel? Would my I believe they were in? I believe they were also in it. 
Neutron Mukulto. I could be wrong about that. But Elf Power was one of them. And they were the first band I ever, I ever fell in love with in college. I just randomly found them in my college radio station. I was like, oh, I like this. So there you go, people. You know, if you take one thing away from tonight's podcast, go and listen to Elf Power. Oh, you got to do that. Don't even watch the rest of this. Just go immediately to Just Spotify. Go oh, right Jesus now. Jesus Christ. Run. I bring him on. I'm promoting his channel. He says, yeah, just turn the channel now. Just turn just, it off. You, you don't just go away now. Go Spotify away. around the country is going down because of all the people that are running to listen to Elf Power. And the fact. Elf Power just made a billion dollars on streaming right now. He just, <laughs> he just shooed the listeners away. And the viewers. Go, go listen to Elf Power. Which, by the way, uh. I, I was a college radio DJ for five years. That was fun. Well, there's a lot of albums, um, right? Nobody, there. I'm pretty sure nobody listened to my show. So spinning, <laughs> spinning vinyl? No, I mean this was back when uh, you know I had my CD collection, and they the they had a CD library of about three thousand CDs. Which, by the way, here's another little fun fact about my life. So their CD library was completely unorganized. So if some guy called up and was like, hey, can you play this band that nobody's heard of? We're like, well, I mean, I'll look for it, but I, I'll never find it. <laughs> we might have it. So one summer, I just got so sick and tired of that. I just went in for a week every day and just alphabetically organized it. I was just so sick of it. So I, I have a question for you. So, you know, we know that you're a little bit younger. Mm -hmm. In the millennial generation, like one of the things that I, I don't understand when I go into a record store, or when I've gone into a record store hundreds, if not thousands of times, same same with you, Scott, that Bob Dylan was listed under? B. What? B. What? D. You are a moron. <laughs> I put, he, I put he first was just first. talking about alphabetizing. He was just yeah. talking about alphabetizing. When we were kids and you went into the record store, if it was an artist. Folk music. If, if it was an artist, they were listed under their last name. Right. There's a lot of record stores right now where millennials are running them where Bob Dylan is listed under B. He's, oh, under, okay. he's under B in my library. What do you yeah, see what I mean? <laughs> Stupid millennials. So J Jimi Hendrix, where is he? What, what, what letter is he under? Jimi Hendrix. A for awesome. Okay. But really, where is he? <laughs> he's, he's under J for me. That's it. He's under J. That's, dude, that's what I'm talking about. The whole I, fucking world I, I do that with certain... Down. All the shit that I was taught to believe when I was a kid is all backwards now. Well, my collection is set up like a record store, as you've seen. You know, you can flip through them. I hate the looking at the spine. I, I got to flip through them. And there's a few that I put with the first name, but... Very few, you know. Anyways, can can we can we get on with the show? The the, the five. Since you asked so hours. since you asked so politely, yes. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> I, I really appreciate it. So, what makes a favorite album? Right, that's the question. What makes it a favorite album? Something has to be connected to. This is how I view it. Something you have to have a connection to the album. There's a lot of great albums, and and. This isn't the five greatest albums that you know. This is your five favorite albums. And every one of these albums has something to it. There has to be a connection that makes it your favorite album, right? So well, there has I, I to have, be a – what's that? 
Uh, I was just going to say, I have my own version. If you want to of, hear. of favorite album, why it's a favorite album. Yeah. Cause I was thinking about it. Sure. And basically what I decided was a combination of it blew me away, obviously. <laughs> and then how often do I actually listen to it? Cause there's a lot, there's just so many albums from the sixties and seventies that blow me away. That honestly, I just almost never listened to it for you. No, why? Why? No just because it blows you away? That's that's the only reason it's your favorite album. Like, there's there's nothing linked well, to no. it. Like, you don't have a story behind it. Like, well, I, like there is there are stories to some of these, right? right. Uh, but mostly, it's I, I also happen to play it like a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that, that's why it's a favorite album, right? Yeah. That's well, no, because there's there's hundreds of favorite albums for me, but how many of them do I actually play all the time? Is what right. I ask myself. Okay, I see and, that. I see that. Um, wait a minute. What is this? Uh, Perry came back, Jack, from last week. The guy you insulted or insulted? <laughs> hey, Scott, is that John Wayne Gacy clown picture? Wow. No, it's Captain Spaulding from House of a Thousand Corpses. Duh. Anyways, all right. My first favorite album, and what Ooh. we'll do is I'll do one. Then Jack will do one, and Cole will do one since he's the rookie here. So we'll, we'll just do it that way. I'm the, I'm the young buck here. You're the young buck. That's right. You're the future. You're the future. <laughs> so the first one I'll, Shut up, you little prick. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So my first pick for one of my, for my five favorite albums is probably one of the best debuts I've ever heard. It's Sinead O'Connor's The Lion and the Cobra. Ooh, all right. This is a great, great album. And this is the one that has the alternate cover. Uh, I believe it's the same cover, except she's looking to the left and she's kind of screaming. So, but it's the same setup. The line of the Cobra. loved that record so much that he replicated her hairstyle and adopted it as his own. And I wear it well. And then <laughs> as you, you followed me. <laughs> and then you followed You've never been the same me. since Sinead. The first time I heard that album, I was stationed in the Philippines. I went home on mid-tour in 1988. Uh, I went home for Christmas, which is half, literally the Philippines is halfway across the planet. So I went home. Uh, my father had, who was always giving us albums when we were kids. He'd drop off milk crates full of albums. Um, and he get, he just grabbed all these CDs and he he's like, here, I picked these up and here you go. So I was, I kind of put him to the side. I didn't think much of it. And then on the way back, I started listening. I listened to that. And I, as soon as I heard it, I was like, this is, this shit is good. Like, totally caught me off guard. Hadn't heard of her. But I'm glad he gave me that CD because I wore the shit out of that thing while I was over there in the Philippines. And there's another connection to the Philippines on one of the other albums I have. So, so that would be my first favorite album, Sinead O'Connor. So can we can we make a couple of comments? Yeah. So you know, for, first off, it, it's, a, it's a great record. You know, Sinead O'Connor catch, catches a lot of shit, maybe deservedly so. You know, she's a polarizing figure. She's suffered emotionally and mentally for for a long time, and, but in some regards, she's kind of a, a a genius. You know, ripping up the picture of the Pope on Saturday Night Live probably not the best move for your career but you know she is somebody that is is con continuously and continually 
dedicated to her own cause. Lucky enough. Do you hear that? The train. There's a train going the by. Train. Ooh, yeah. yeah. I was l- lucky enough that I actually got to see her on that first tour at the Paradise. In Boston. Was a yeah, paradise in Boston with my friend Nancy Blake, who was again way cooler in terms of her musical choices than I than I was. the The other thing is that Chris Blackwell, who was the founder of Island Records, in which that record came out on, was not wholly convinced that that record was going to do well, and bet her that if she had sold a certain amount of albums that he would actually shave his head in solidarity with her. And that first album, even though it was really a different swing on music and, and certainly somebody that was not regarded as the, you know, poster child, pretty girl, fashion, blah, blah, blah. She sold, you know, a half million copies and that boy shaved his head. Yeah. It's a great her album. First two, her first two albums are great. The first three albums, if you you toss the third one in, are okay. I kind of lost track of her after that. Well, um, we're talking about favorite albums, so stay focused, Jack. Oh, stay sorry. focused. <laughs> Come on, Jack. Sorry, I, I I thought you wanted some background information on about that you're album. Making us look bad, Jack. Come on. About that album. <laughs> Thank you, Colsey. <laughs> Listen, I, I might have a new co-host lined up here. I'm leaving. <laughs> Sorry, Jack, I, you've been fired. I might have a new co-host. <laughs> Jack can be replaced. <laughs> he left. He went, Jack, okay, Jack's, the sub, Jack's the substitute teacher now. <laughs> I think he went to get a fan. All right, Cole. Oh, he's back. Okay. All right. Huffy and Puffy, Jack. Huffy and Puffy. That's a warning. <laughs> That's a warning. Look up in the top corner of your, your that might be the, your replacement. <laughs> yeah, some, some would say that I could go out and get an orange highway cone, put it in this chair, and it would have the same. Jack, effect. Jack, buddy, you know you're irreplaceable <laughs> on this show. I love you, buddy. So give me your one of your favorite five albums. We've talked about this this record, and I know that love ooh, it. Oh yeah. Love it. You two, the unforgettable fire. Love it. You know, and again, I know, you know, some people hate them. Some people love them. I think they're a brilliant band. I think they've had an amazing career. <clears throat> but this this is a favorite album. And I think for a lot of the reasons that you had talked about, you know, when you when you kind of opened the, this session, Scott, you know, musically, is it great? You know, where were you from a personal standpoint? Is there a story that goes along with it? You know, this came out in 1984. and I, I don't know, man, you know, just out of high school trying to figure out what life was going to be like. I was working at Strawberries Records and Tapes in Washington Street in Boston, Massachusetts, when this first came out. And the other thing about this, this record was it was a little bit of a departure for the band in that they had had, um, you know, a, a different producer for the first three records. And this was the first record of many records that they actually did with Brian Eno in Daniel Lanois. So it had a different sound landscape. It had a different, and you know, there was parts of it that were, were a little bit off-putting to me initially, but I grew to just passionately love this record. And one of the other reasons why I picked this record is this is a record that came out in 1984. I routinely go to this record very, very often. I listen to this record and I mean the whole record 
every couple of weeks. It's just a brilliant, brilliant piece of work. Joshua Tree gets all of the credit. Some of the others, you know, are regarded as better records. This is the best U2 record that was ever put out. It was it was uh it was almost their their coming out as a mature more a more mature sounding band. Um Unforgettable Fire is still my favorite U2 song. Yeah. Still my I, I've heard a lot, but that's my favorite you U2. Song. You didn't think that War had a mature sound? Uh no, War was was it was it was climbing up like from Boy to October to War. They kind of had that young sound. He, Bono had that young voice, that young guy sound. They still had that. By the, by the way, speaking of Bono, uh, I don't know if you guys agree with me, but it's, it felt like there's a whole bunch of bands back in the 80s who all tried to sound like Bono, like the Simple Minds guy, maybe even the Echo and the Bunnyman guy a little bit. There's just like, I don't know what was going who, on. Who the fuck is this kid? What the hell's he talking about? So you know you know what that is? That's, that's record that labels. That's record labels looking for people that might sound like the most popular band. Definitely Simple Minds, at least. Like, every time I listen to them, like, this guy just sounds like kind of B-list Bono. <laughs> Even though I like them, but, you know. Okay. I, I got to be honest. Give us your first your first favorite album, Cole. Oh, boy. So, but by, by the way, just, just so you know, and, and I just looked it up to be, be uh, sure about it, Simple Minds actually formed before you too. Yeah, I, I think I couldn't remember, but yeah. So Bono probably I mean, was aping that guy. So so take that call. <laughs> no, it's a, you know what it, it's a it's a fair thing. You know, I mean I, I, I think of bands like you know, there's some things that like the alarm did that kind of remind me of you too. Some of the later stuff. And and I think when you got into the nineties there were a lot of bands that tried to emulate that sound. But go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah. So what's your album, Cole? Uh, so this one's the Marshall Crenshaw self-titled. Great record. Ah. So my dad, I found this album because my dad, who has no, who had never had any vinyl, he had maybe like twenty CDs, and he was a musician, which was kind of like when I look back on that, like really, he only had twenty CDs. But anyway, so he he was a big singer songwriter fan, like Neil Young and Bob Dylan and Jackson Brown and whatever. And then, and then he had this album, which he never played ever. I never heard him play this album, but I just kind of saw it one day. And I'm, I was going through a phase where I was like ripping all the CDs at my college radio station because <laughs> I didn't want to pay, you know, 15 times 3,000. Right. <laughs> Whatever. So I was like, oh, I, I don't know who this is. I just ripped all my dad's CDs and then I listened to this. And to this day, I'm just like, this is like the most perfect new wave pop album I've ever heard in my life. Like, who is this guy? And he's not even on Spotify anymore. They took him down for this what? album. What? Why did they take him down? Do you think it, this album was on there for years. And then as of like last year, the only thing that's on there is like his greatest hit CD, which is like, okay. <laughs> okay, Marshall. If that's what so, you want to do. So do you, do you guys want your trivia question about Marshall Crenshaw? Sure. You know the yeah. show's going over an hour. I Go guess. Ahead. I guess we do. Marshall Marshall Crenshaw, one of his first musical debuts was not as Marshall Crenshaw, but he was actually in a play. 
Cole, you probably won't remember this or don't know it, but Scott, you might remember it. Musical play, not a musical production, emulated a band. A lot of people never got to see this band, but this is a way for them for the for them to be able to see them long before they were really kind of tribute bands to this band. You're talking Beatlemania? Beatlemania. Marshall Crenshaw played John Lennon in Beatlemania. There you go. Wow. Yeah. How's that for a useless piece of information? That's I'm gonna that's right I'm gonna tell my right. girlfriend about it right after this. There and she's go. gonna go, what? She'd be like, can you marry me, please? <laughs> Okay, my next album. Now, this one is kind of a personal uh, personal album. So for the people that know me and the people that don't know me, my life is pretty much an open book, and I have no problems talking about it and things that ha- happened in my life, both good and bad. And um, 2011, I lost my first wife to breast cancer. So, and, and that's a whole that's a whole different topic, but... It took me, I don't know, um, well, it's it's hard to really discuss it, but this album came along uh, so a couple years ago. I, I It came out three three years ago, maybe. And it's uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds Skeleton Tree, right? So the thing with this album is he he wrote this album after his son died. Son had a tragic accident. And listening to this, the first time I heard it, I think I heard it on Amazon. And it fucking ripped me apart. Really. Like, he wrote, what he wrote is is what he was feeling. I felt it. Like, it's just a personal connection. It's very haunting. It's, it's, it's Nick Cave. You know the posh prince of prince of darkness. Uh, nothing's ever happy in his in his music, but this album it's almost like a rite of passage. If someone you know has passed, and, and someone close to you, this this it might touch you, it might not, but it it touched me. And, it, and the music's beautiful. The lyrics are great. It's not all doom and gloom, but the emotion he put into it it reflects through the album. And this one. Out of all the music I've ever listened to, this one touched me in that way. Like after she passed, I listened to a lot of music. People were sending me music. I was, you know, oh yeah, you know. But this album touched it. It touched my soul. It, it really, really, really did. It's a great album. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, Skeleton Tree. Do you want? So. Um, do you? Is it, is it hard for you to still listen to it? Oh, every time I hear it, I get it gets me emotional. Yeah, yeah. But does it does it stop you or prompt you to play it? Um, it's I, I so that's there's a dual thing going on here. I love the songs, anyways. I love the music, anyways. It just happens to connect as far as uh, the backstory, and yeah, but, it doesn't but it, stop it, me from playing it. No, I, I was gonna say it kind of it may kind of. It's kind of therapy. It, it kind of it may kind of push you to go to places that you may or may not want to go. It did. I mean, the first time I heard it, like on my own by myself, I I fucking cried. I really did. So, and again, it's great music too. It's not like one song on there touched me. The whole album touched me. 
and it's hard to explain. Uh, it's kind of like you get to walk in the shoes, but yeah, it, it, it's a great album, and I still listen to it, even though I don't, I don't get as upset as I did when I first started listening to it. But you, you know, do you get to the the point now where you actually put it on, and, and it's more joyful in that it brings back a lot of great memories for you? No, uh, because it came along after the memories were already made. You know, so um, it just brings back. Um, it's just, it almost, I'm always remembering or it doesn't matter. Like it's not, but it's just, you know, music touches you. Music touches everybody in a different way. And that album, it doesn't excite me. I don't get like, oh, that was a great fucking album. That's a great, it's just something I like listening to something that just, it just, it always, every time I play it, it, I get a little emotional. Yeah. But it's in a good way. It's it's not in a depressing, sad, like I'm fucked up for the rest of the day way. You know? It's a good way. It's almost a release. Like I said, it's almost therapy. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah, you know, the, the, I'm I'm kind of torn right now because I, I think it's a beautiful and wonderful thing that you've shared this with, you know, not only Cole and I, but everybody that's listening. And at the same time, I'm absolutely pissed that I feel completely disarmed and can't make fun of you right now <laughs> I, I, I don't really know what that's, to do right now that's I'm, my I'm kryptonite buddy. that's not my kryptonite that's my that's my my uh yeah it's my dome it's my my safe I, space know, I, I, honestly i think i think that's that's an, an amazing thing and it really kind of shows you what the power of music can do i mean that's that's amazing in the favorite Therapy. album, that's why, because I constantly, like Cole said, I listen to it all the time. It's a go-to. Yeah. You know? So, all right, Jack, enough of the depressing talk. Let's get out. Yeah, top that, Jack. <laughs> One of the best albums of all time, and we were talking about them a little bit earlier, but Bob oh, yeah. Dylan, Highway 61 Revisited. So there, there was a period of time, like, you know, like Cole, my, my parents, <clears throat> my dad, especially, you know, Bob Dylan fan, and when I was a kid, there were there were songs that I liked, um, you know, from Bob Dylan. I always liked, you know, like a Rolling Stone or a Positively Fourth Street. And there was a lot of stuff that I didn't get, you know, like those deep cuts, kind of more of the folky things that I didn't quite get when I was a kid because I was a Kiss fan and I was a Van Halen fan and Bob Dylan, come on, you know, kind of old exactly. fuzzy head dude playing an acoustic guitar and really shitty harmonica. <laughs> but as I got a little bit older and started started to really understand Bob Dylan and you know kind of dove into it, there was a period of time where I was so unbelievably into Bob Dylan, just exploring it. And there's so much to explore, you know. I mean, you know, the the, the music and the the writing and the poetry and and all of that that stuff. Those like four or five years where I was constantly playing Dylan were the four or five years that I was closest to the being divorced because <laughs> Deb probably appreciates Bob Dylan in terms of what he's done, icon and whatnot. But are you fucking kidding me? When are you going to turn this shit off? I, I'm with Deb, but that's your favorite album. No, so I'm, not, I'm not going to lie. That was almost in my top five. As it as it should be. This is this is a transformational album, iconic record. I mean, uh, like a Rolling Stone, Tombstone Blues, uh, Ballad of a Thin Man. I mean, come on, Highway sixty one revisited, just like 
Tom Thumbs Blues Desolation Row. This is a great, bold record. I mean, it took a fucking lot of balls to move out of the folk scene to be able to create this record. And it's a record, you know, again, that... But why is it your favorite album? Even though my... Why is it your favorite album? One of my favorite albums. Why is it one of your favorite albums? It is is just a brilliant record. It's, you know, iconic. It's historic. I think all of the songs on it are great. All of the songwriting is great. And it's one of those records that I find myself putting on a lot. Okay. Yeah. That makes it a favorite. How do you like that, Scotty? Well, that's what makes it a favorite. you like that? That's like a C plus. (laughs) All right, Cole. Let's. What obscure shit are you gonna come up with now? Ooh, <laughs> I love I love Magic Macaroni. They were great. I like this band called the Go Go's a lot. Oh, <laughs> there it is. I don't know if you guys have heard of them. And there it is. You know he's All been right, watching. So this album was featured in my video I just made recently. It's my favorite album from the 2010s. I've never heard anything like it ever. It's like a post-apocalyptic journey where like this guy lives in some lives in some future hellhole, dystopian hellhole, and he's trying to get out. Is what there's no lyrics on the whole album, but it's kind of like giving you that imagery when you listen to it. It's Luxury Problems by Andy Stott. It's a electro, it's an electronic album. But again, I've I've never heard anything that sounds like this in my whole life. Can you can you repeat the, uh, the the title and the artist again, please? Uh, Luxury problems, Andy Stott. I, I have to tell you, I love that cover. It's such a great and in my I have it. Hold on, I'm trying to hold it up. <laughs> uh, so I have a review for this album where I go in, in depth about like what I think the story is, and even like this photo, kind of symbolizes a little bit of how like the main character in the story I imagine is like some guy in China making your iPhone so that this woman can make a perfect dive in Canada. I go a little bit too deep on it, but why not? <laughs> I, you know what? I'm going to go and get that record. I'm on sight unseen, unheard <laughs> that, that, that is going to be a, an awesome journey and it better be fucking good or I'm coming down and <laughs> find you. Better Wherever be good you or, are on the East Coast. <laughs> Somewhere on the East Coast. Better be good coast. or I'm never, I'm, I'm never invited back. Call this in fucking pots unknown. He's like a wrestler. I'm from uh, Ethiopia, corner, guys. He won't, he won't tell us. It's somewhere like, near the Atlantic Ocean. In this corner, weighing 165 pounds from pots unknown. <laughs> I'm currently in Namib- Namibia. I don't know if you've ever heard of Nam- Namibia before. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Scotty, lay it on us. My next one might be the best, one of the best albums of the 90s, at least top five best albums of the 90s. Whole, live through this. Great, great. I listened to it again today. She is a fucking rock star. I don't care what anybody says about, oh, she stole the lyrics from Kurt Cobain. He wrote them. I don't care. People have been stealing lyrics from other people. People have been writing for other people forever. It could Courtney have been a Love, album. Courtney Love is a fucking rock star, and that album is a rock star album. Every track from start to finish is just fucking 100 miles an hour, kick ass, great, great music, great singer, great band. 
It's one of those albums you just can, I can listen to it over and over again. Whole live through this. Heck yeah. Crickets. <laughs> That's fine. Jack, you're cool. up. Cool album, bro. No, 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 no crickets. It's, it's a great record. And it, and it is, a, you know, whether people want to admit it or not, it's a seminal album of the, of the 90s. Oh, it's a great uh, and, fucking and album. Courtney Love, you know, love people, her. People, young people know that album. They do. It's yeah, a, it's the, a, the people, it's I, the people it I need. A, and it's, it's a hard record. Yeah. It's edgy. Absolutely. And, and her know, voice like, makes it edgy. The, just the driving you. Like I said, almost every song, except for maybe uh, Miss World. And, well, Miss World picks up, but Doll Parts isn't really a, you know 100 miles an hour. But great album, great songs, Miss World. So, so there's, there's rumors that, that Hole is going to reform. Would you go see them? Absolutely, I would. Have you seen them? No, I didn't. I was in the military during that, and I had no money to go to concerts like you. <laughs> Smoking dope, Brad so Buff in the me, country me and going this. to concerts. Back, back in the day, did you find Courtney, no, Courtney Love attractive? I did. I, I think she she is attractive. And her, she has a unique look. She has one of those kind of like a Lauren Bacall. Nothing really works, but it all works together. You know? So not Lauren McCall. I mean, uh, what's her name? Um, fuck is her name? Anyways, some model. I was, I was <laughs> she's got a, she's got a gap tooth. Lauren Hutton. Lauren Hutton. There you go. Lauren yeah, McCall was the prettiest woman ever to grace Hollywood, by the way. Lauren McCall. Yeah, E.F. Hutton. Okay, next, wherever we're going. So, <laughs> we're going over an hour. I know that. Where it began. Okay, okay. So let, let's stop right here. It's Neil Young's greatest hits. Neil Diamond. Neil Diamond's greatest hits, volume, volume two. two. So a greatest hits album. I mean, I, no, no, I, it's your choice. I'm not. It's, a, it's not my choice. I was doing it as oh. a joke. Although, although I have to tell you, you know, guilty pleasure. That was my top I, three. I, I fully, fully embrace that I own this record, and I fully embrace the fact that I play this record probably more often than I should. Yeah, I got a Neil Diamond box set. We come into America. <laughs> uh, okay, give me your freaking album. All right. Talked about this many times on this show. Dude, that's the number one, is, isn't it? On this Rolling is Stone? absolutely one of the greatest albums of all time. Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. Yeah. This, this is one of those records, at least for me, that you drop the needle on and you listen to it until it's done. It is it is just an amazing, amazing record. And, and again, you know, kind of in, in the same vein as, as Highway 61, this was a departure for, you know, Marvin Gaye was a pop star and sang songs for Motown that were kind of like love songs and light pop songs. And he got very introspective and very personal and, um, you know, was looking at the political climate and the economic, uh, the, the ecologic climate. So, I mean, think about this, you know, this came out in, I believe 67 where he was talking about the impact to the environment and, you know, largely ignored it. And as a matter of fact, Barry, uh, Barry Gordy, you know, the founder and head of Motown did not want to release this record, hated it. Political. Hated. They didn't want to be political. They tried hated to stay it out of until that. until it became a huge hit, and yeah, he grew to it. really respect and love this record. And I, I, this is you know, but again, I've had it on vinyl before, 
I've had it on cassette. I've had it on CD and I've had it on vinyl again. And this is a record that I play often. So even though I, I might not regard it as like the flashiest album and the best album or the, you know, but it's a record that I go to a lot, just a but, lot. I just think it's incredible. But did you buy it digitally? I, I have listened to it digitally on Spotify. <laughs> I have not paid to download it. I may have stolen it on Napster at one point. For those people that, that are listening, you know the song, you know, Mercy, Mercy Me and, and what's going on. But you should pour a glass of wine, sit down, throw on headphones if you have them, and listen to the record from start to finish uninterrupted. It is an incredible, incredible experience. I think uh, the majority of the people would agree with that. It's a great album. Great album. No doubt. Cole? Oh, my God. Wait, it's me already? <laughs> There's only fucking three of us on the screen. So, <laughs> I did, so this is an 80s album. Two of us has just talked. So, okay. I think I zoned out. So <laughs> Jack, he zoned out on Jack. I totally zoned out. <laughs> I was, so like, I was like, what's going on? Cole, take your Ritalin. <laughs> take your Ritalin, right, so, brother. Okay, so, so this is an 80s album. I discovered it a year and a half ago. But according to my iTunes statistics, this is my most played album ever in the history of me having iTunes, which is a long time. So this is... The band is called Felt, and it's the strange idols pattern in other short stories. It's like Jangle Pop wow. from, from England. It's the most unbelievably good Jangle Pop record I've ever heard in my life. So when when did this come out? 84, I think. Scott, do you know this record? Uh, no. no. I only know about this record because allmusic.com gave it a perfect rating like a year ago, a year and a half ago. And I was like, oh, okay, let me check it out. And then I was like... Dude, I, never, I gotta never heard of these guys on here because he's bringing a different perspective other than the same shit that you and I keep digging up. Well, I gotta so, be—I gotta be honest because, like I said, that Bob Dylan totally almost made it. There's so guys. There's so many albums by like the Beatles. Yeah, but could, probably but could have been on here. Bob Dylan out so you could move in felt in Elfier or whatever else it was that you were talking about earlier. <laughs> Okay, because this one is my most played album ever, apparently. I didn't even realize that until today. I, I can't wait to listen to these records. I cannot wait. <laughs> well, you, you guys have that new Spotify playlist, so we should pick some songs. Absolutely. Yeah, Cole, send me the... Um... Except for, of course, the Marshall Crenshaw, which is like, what is he doing? Yeah. That? Well, give me... Yeah, pick... <laughs> what, does he, what does he think? He's Prince now? He doesn't want his music on Spotify? <laughs> Cole, tomorrow send me uh, uh, a track from each each one of these albums that you want to put okay. on the playlist. So my next album is a fantastic album. Uh, I have a tendency, if you've seen, so this is my fourth album. And it, once again, it's a female singer, as I have a, a, a propensity to like them for their, their uniqueness and their sound and their vocal styles. But this album... Jack, I don't know if you have this. I think I've told you to get it or listen to it. But Nico Case, Blacklisted. Fucking have it. She's, great. She's, she's amazing. On what, I mean, you want to hit, Cole, this is so, 
I've heard you, you know, you listened to that, you reviewed that live stream the other night with the lady singing and it's kind of that soft and I was saying like her voice wasn't really Oh the yeah the last one I did? Yeah, yeah. She was okay sometimes. I don't she's know a, if you've ever right. heard I don't know if you've ever heard Nico Case. But Wait, wasn't she in the new pornographers for a bit? Very good, Cole. Very good. One yes, of my, she was. One of my favorite bands. Yeah, yeah, but solo. <laughs> this album. You might want to review this album because this album is a bomb from start <laughs> to finish. It's kind of like alternative country in a yeah. sense. Uh, but her voice is so bold and big and pure and crisp and the the start, the 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 production of it, the sounds, the steel guitars and the whole thing. It's just a great um great album and i can listen to this over and over and over again and i do and i do nico case blacklisted so give it a review cole i recommend it i'll check it out yes you will like it you definitely will like it so jack's unprepared again no i'm not (laughs) jack you're holding us up come on jack (laughs) fucking cole's auditioning here by the way (laughs) Sticky fingers. Sticky fingers. So, you know, this is a a struggle for me because I keep going back and forth between sticky fingers and exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street. My brother called Exile on Main Street, you know, certainly, um, you know, deeper album, double record. But, you know, sticky fingers is a monumental uh, achievement. And And you talk about the the arc of the band in terms of their creative ability. You know, because you're talking about, you know, the Rolling Stones had a period of time where they went Beggar's Banquet, Let It Bleed, Sticky Fingers, Exile on Main Street, and you can go on and on. Those guys were at the height of their powers back in the day. But, you know, Sticky Fingers is just an amazing record in that just listen to the track listings on it. You know, Brown Sugar, Sway, Wild Horses, Can't You Hear Me Knocking, You Gotta Move. <clears throat> bitch, I got the blues, System Morphine, Dead Flowers, and Moonlight Mile. I mean, talk about a perfect record. There's not a dud. There's no filler in this record whatsoever. And can you imagine, you know, the the amount of time that they dedicated to putting this record together? Some of it, the stuff that was not worthy of this record, actually came out almost a decade later as Tattoo You. Or parts yeah, uh, of uh, yeah, you know, some right. of the songs. That's right. I mean, yeah. that's just how good their writing was at the time. Now, interestingly enough, they were all kind of under the spell of morphine and heroin at, at the time. This is with their heavy, heavy drug days. But I think the thing that made this period of the Rolling Stones discography and history really impactful was not just one person, it was the combination of all of them, but Mick Taylor. Mick Taylor. Who was a, just a tremendous, tremendous musician, was, I think, just the, the best iteration of that band. So I, really, I, think, I, said, I think I had told you this story before. The, 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 my favorite song in that album is Sway, right? And they were, they were in the studio. They were waiting for Keith Richards, waiting, waiting, waiting. And finally they just said, fuck it. And... Mick Taylor said, I'll do the solo that Keith Richards was supposed to do. If you listen to the solo at the end of Sway, right, that fucking dude 
tore it up in one take, shredded it. That is like fucking guitar Valhalla right there, man. That is one of the best guitar solos in the history of music, if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> it's the end of Sway. Listen, uh, Cole, I don't know if, if you're familiar with the album or if you're familiar with the songs that's on a, it. That's my favorite. So Stones it happens album. to be my favorite Stones album, but I couldn't tell you any of the songs. <laughs> Listen to Sway again. I'm, I'm uh, a very strange music you know, fan, I'll be honest. Now, now yeah, that you know the background you know story. You're, you're not a strange music fan for, for your age. So Scott and I grew up taking the train into Boston and going into different music stores and flipping through for hours at a time sometimes. Jack, let me ask you, if if you're in Boston and you didn't go to Strawberry, if they didn't have it in Strawberries, where was the next album record store you went uh, to? We used to cruise all of the record places. So we used to go to Strawberries. There was... Um, There's only one other one I went to. Down the street. Sammy White's. Sammy White's. Yep. Yeah, but but what about uh Zounds? What about Looney Tunes? What about Second Coming Records? There were so many of them. But we would spend hours, we we would spend hours flipping through the stacks yeah. and and you were able to kind of look at them and look at the you know the backs of them. We studied them. You know, you gotta remember yeah. no internet, no cell phones, no YouTube, no Facebook. You know, they, this is how we spent, you know, time. We actually hung out with each other and we looked at the stuff and we studied it and we learned it. That's why we can pull off some of the bullshit that we pull off on this show. Yep. <laughs> yep. It, it has nothing to Studying do. Studying album do covers. That, wait a minute. It has nothing to do with the fact that we're smart. It was that we were bored shitless back then. Well, you know what's, you know what's kind of interesting? It's vaguely related to what you just said. Uh, so I, I have, you know, I'm 35. I have younger early twenties friends who I meet at like coffee shops or whatever. And, you know, I, obviously I went through a whole ton of albums. I can't tell you these guys, I, I follow them on Spotify and they're listening to all these random bands. I don't know any of them. And this is literally all I've been doing. And yeah. they'll just play these. I'm like, how do you even know these bands? And then I'll look up the band and there's like 3 million monthly, monthly listeners yeah, and that's they're, the and they're new bands. I'm like, what? How do you even know about any of these? I literally go to all the sites. <laughs> You're in the transition phase. Carl. I don't know what's going You're on. In the transition phase. So, before we get on to the last, <laughs> the last albums, there's a couple things I want to talk about. So, my brother Colin, Colin McLean, he's a co-producer of this show. His top five are number Ooh. one, live uh, Allman Brothers, live at Fillmore East. Uh, great mm-hmm. record. Yep. Great stuff. Number two, the Rolling Stones, get your yeah yeahs out. Right? Number three, last week's episode, Dark Side of the Moon. Number four, Woodstock. And number five, Tool, Anemia. Ooh. Very interesting choice. Or is it Enema? Enema. Is that what it is? I don't know. No, it's Anemia, (laughs) I think. think. I think it's Enema. Anema. The AE that are like all mashed up because it's. A E N I M A. Anema, isn't it? Is that Enema? I think it's Enema. I thought Enema doesn't have an A in it. I don't. I don't. It doesn't matter. Oh, you're me <laughs> up. If, you, if you're doing the Enema right, kind of does have an A in it. Oh, it's the A. It's the A that are all smushed together, isn't it? We all almost got away letters. whole show without a stupid Jack joke. <laughs> I don't know. We're spending too much time on that, though. So, uh, our uh, our our longtime friend, me and Jack, uh, Phil Kelly. 
His uh, top five are Tool. Uh, what is it? Lateris? Lateralis. Uh, don't fuck me up. <laughs> Van Halen, right. Fair Warning. Uh, body Count's first uh, debut album, Body Count, which he said is one of the greatest hard rock albums ever made. Is that Ice T's band? Yep. Uh, the Who, Quadrophenia. And his brother threw in uh, who he calls the Connecticut Research Department <laughs> for reasons <laughs> I won't talk about on this show. Uh, Burt Bacharach's Greatest Hits. And I will give John <laughs> Kelly credit, even though that's a Greatest Hits album, I will I got- give it. Now I got to watch Austin Powers again. Right. And then uh, there's also another listener um, that's a friend of, of <clears throat> Phil. And I, I told him I, w- I would get this in. Um, he's a listener of the show. His, uh, he doesn't give me his name though. His five albums, Allman Brothers, An Evening with the Allman Brothers, uh, The Black Crows, The Southern Harmony. Oh, great record. Great the- record. Dave Matthews Band, Under the Table and Dreaming, uh, Frank Sinatra, A Swinging Affair, and Rolling Stone, Sticky Fingers. That's number two. Ooh. So I got those in. I got those in. So, Colt, as far as you, you were just talking about, um, you know, these kids and what they're listening to, and you've never heard it, and you listen to almost everything. So Jack and I are at this stage in our life, and, and there's a lot of, Music lovers at, at at our point. So we're like old baseball managers, right? We could sit in the dugout, sit on the bench, see all these young players out there, and they all, they're all good. They all look the same. But every once in a while, you look at one and you're like, that's the next Derek Jeter right there. <laughs> like we can just pick it out, like what's good. Like mm-hmm. we can scroll through and listen and ah, uh, 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 we've heard it all, heard it all, heard it all. Whoa, whoa, stop. What's that? Like yeah. that's how we view music now. Yeah. You know, like we can we can scan through everything. It's just we just know what we like and we know what's good. And I and I and I think listening to music for I'm fifty seven, so I've been listening to music for fifty one years. I think I have a pretty good uh take on what's good and what's not. <laughs> and it's not about taste either, because I listen to new music, I listen to old music, I listen to rap, I listen to you know all of it. Yeah. But you know, so my final album is a. I am absolutely torn. I got three choices. Well, three choices. Narrow, narrowing. Are we picking one last fifty one? plus years? Well, not even fifty plus years, because it goes beyond that. To five choices is a difficult thing. So. You it is. Pick, you can pick any of them and you'll be okay. So my three are um, the Smiths, Louder Than Bombs, which is a compilation album. It's not nece- It's not a greatest hits album. It was released in '87. So and, and whoa, that- whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait a minute. Compilation album. Yeah, it's a compilation. It's not a greatest hits. It's not the best of. But it's a compilation album. It's it's from it's- different albums. But it's okay, not necessarily... so how is that different from a greatest hits record? I don't know. You tell me. Why do they because call it a compilation album? Greatest hits implies it was a hit song. Yeah. Yeah, Thank but, you, but, Cole. But, but, but wait a minute. You can't disqualify or shit on people because they pick a greatest hits album and you pick a compilation album. Well, he's, he's you know, he's, I, I didn't I didn't shit on anybody. He's got the glasses. He's gonna You uh, shitted on people. I picked I, the compilation album. Uh I shited. You shitted on people. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> well, it's the Smiths, and you know I love the Smiths. The, the, the other one is the Water Boys. This is the Sea. That's a, a phenomenal. I listened to that thing for 16 hours on a plane coming back from the Philippines uh, continuously. It's just a phenomenal album. Or the Pretender's first album. I am absolutely like, <laughs> it's like Sophie's choice here. It's not going to affect my life. You know what? We, we talk about that Pretender's album a lot, oh. you know, on this show. But but in all fairness, it deserves more recognition than it's it It's one can. of the greatest albums ever made. One it of the greatest, one of the greatest albums. In, in it, you know, is look, it not, I, I is it not well known or something? I thought it was. It's not. I, I think it's I think it's well known, but I I don't think that it gets the, the legendary status that it deserves. It's not what it's not Fleetwood Max rumors with like all the teens. Because yeah. all the all the teens in their vinyl collection videos that I look up every day, it's all like Lana Del Rey and uh, Lord, Del Rey. and then Fleetwood Max rumors, and then back to like Harry Styles. <laughs> yeah, but you know Fleetwood <laughs> Max rumors is 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 a brilliant piece of work. No, I just mean it was on like a TikTok viral video like two months ago. So now every teenager has rumors. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's your, it's just like, you know, for a period of time, there were a lot of teenagers that were wearing Ramon shirts that had never heard of the Ramones. Yeah. Because the Ramones, because the Ramones suck. Anyways. <laughs> really? They suck. Really? Dude, I was listening to Rock and Roll High School. I'm like, what the f- is this rock, rock, rock people just jumped school. on the no, bandwagon no, 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 no. you don't you don't listen to don't listen to you know rock and roll high school listen to the ramones debut record uh, listen to rocket yeah. to russia i'm not i'm not getting into yeah, this come on scott i'm not Give getting into this program. conversation nope hey, I, I can't believe you can't say that the ramones suck i just did you want me to say iconic, it again? Iconic band, iconic rock and roll band, hall of fame, been around for a yeah, long the greatest time. You fucking not two, like them, but that the, does not mean that the they The greatest two-minute songwriters ever in the history of music. I mean, they're no Go-Go's, but... <laughs> That's true. That's true. They're not. I would choose the Go-Go's over the Ramones. How many, so, how many bands did the Ramones inspire? The Clash? I don't, care. I don't care. We now, have, we now have Green Day because of the. Ah, uh, see, and that's another reason I hate them. <laughs> Green Day is a great band. I like Green Day. But so kind of, I'm going to go with in a, in a way now. Can I? Can, can you two? You know what this is like. This is like when you have a friend, then you meet I love another. Green Day. Don't you love Green Day? Cold. Oh, Green Day is great until they weren't great. <laughs> hey, 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 you know what? You know what? Check this out. You want to talk about Green Day? I'm muting both of you. See, I just muted them right now. So, because we're, li- we're live streaming. Right now, they're both muted. They're in the penalty box for being assholes, right? Jack's playing his guitar, but nobody's hearing this. This is this is why being the host is like being the king of, of the podcast. Now, I'm going to bring Cole back. Cole, Cole, do you promise to be nice? Am I, am I out of the uh, penalty box? Don't mention Green Day and you'll stay out of the penalty box. What, Blue Weekend? What was it? You're back in the penalty box. You're done. You're back in. Jack, Jack. Hi, Scott. There you go. Welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm good. There you go. See, Cole? See, Jack learns. learns. (laughs) Third time's the charm with me, so. Anyways, so I'm going to go with... I guess I have to go with the Pretenders. The Pretenders is just such a great album. 
And it's the, 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 there's a story there, but it's not an important story. Uh, it's just a memory, but it's it's just a great album, start to finish. Wait, uh, the it, only song it, I did the only song the only song I didn't like on it. The only song I didn't like on it originally was Space Invaders, but it actually grew on me over time. It, it is definitely the weakest track on the record. Yeah, yeah. Which it's is like just, most fans' best track. <laughs> good point. Yeah, it, 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 it almost doesn't fit. No, it um, doesn't fit. It was like a filler song, but. Yeah, it, it almost doesn't fit. But So what were you woe-woeing me about? I, I wanted to hear, you know, you said that there was a story to it. I wanted so to hear I, I, Well, it's not really a big story. Like, I graduated in 81, and I got, like, this boombox for graduation, and I got this Pretenders cassette only because I heard um, uh, Brass and Pocket. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go buy this this cassette. I had the album, but I bought the cassette. And I wore that thing out, man. That summer, I wore that cassette out. I would be out in front of my house sitting on my front porch in the morning just listening to that that whole cassette. I'd listen to it all day. It was like nothing I'd ever heard in my life at that point. Really, it was like nothing I had ever heard to that point. And I think maybe Chrissy Hind was the reason I started leaning in the direction of female singers and bands because I had a crush on her too. She was like she that was, sleazy hot. She was sleazy she was, hot. She was a you know beautiful, powerful woman. But she you guys never would have lasted. Never would have lasted. She's a she's a big vegetarian. I would have kicked her. To she's the got curb. that red leather jacket. On. I would have kicked Isn't her. Isn't that to the funny? Curb. You know she's a she's a big you know vegetarian, but she's she vegan. Jack, she's vegan like Morrissey. So get it straight. Oh know your facts. It's vegan. Um, it's vegan. Uh, excuse me, sir. <laughs> Whatever. Jack, right, give us your right. fifth album. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go kind of obvious, but a, a little bit outside. And, and again, I think you know, the, the, trying to limit a music lover's choices to five is next to impossible. But you know, again, I'll um, I'll present this record as is intended in that I listen to it a lot. I, I didn't find it until a little bit later, you know, in life. But just to kind of throw a little bit of a different mix into it, is John Coltrane's "Love Supreme." Just ridiculous, ridiculous record. I mean, the guy was an absolute genius. My, my brother, absolute- my brother came close. He said, "I guarantee you, Jack picks like fucking Miles Davis at the, you know, at, at, at the." Uh, <laughs> At the opera house or some shit like that, he said. Hey, you, you know, sometimes you just got to go outside the box a little bit. You know, you got to kind of expand a, a, a little bit. Well, um, outside the box, Cole has made us feel like we live in a very small box, and he owns the <laughs> the negative space around it. This is the box you're, you guys are in. Yeah. Like, you oh, see it? Jesus. It's- Put us in an Amazon I'm box. I'm out of the box. You're in, you're right there. It's got an Amazon box. That's well, how hey, I you know what I, I will this is, uh, take- this is how I film my my reviews. I have my camera on an Amazon box to get it higher. <laughs> He's high tech. That's <laughs> how low so, budget so, I am. In, in in terms of a, a love supreme, I'll concede that it's kind of a you know cliche record. It's probably in most people's top tens that that listen to jazz. Sorry, right. Colin. And but too, but the, the reality it. of it is, is it, it's a cliche for a reason. It's a brilliant, brilliant record. You know, a little, a little bit different, but just I, I love it. 
You know, they, and, it's your and favorite you, album, not mine. So, huh? Yeah, it's that's your what you want to pick. I mean, yeah. if you if you guys <laughs> ever listen to it, if that's what you want to pick. If you guys ever listen to it, <laughs> have you ever listened to it? No, and I won't. I have. Why? I have a what, long why time would you ago. Be and it was so close minded that you wouldn't listen to it. I don't like jazz. How do you know? I've listened to jazz. I'm not. Have you listened to this album? Ah, here we go. Let's zero it in. Have you listened to this album? Then you don't fucking know, you (laughs) giant moron potato head. I so I love jazz, but I almost never listen to it. If that makes any sense. What the fuck does that mean? But wait, wait a minute. You know, dipshit over here. I love spaghetti, but I don't go to Italian restaurants. (laughs) No, because the ruling ruler of this show. A music show says I won't listen to it. How? how what would you say that? It's just—it's idiotic. I'm uh, okay. I'll listen to it. Jesus, because Scott okay. is too good for jazz. That's what he's huffy and puffy again. You—you you have two just weeks made everybody that's listening to this podcast dumber by your comment. Yeah, yeah. Because, because you should I'm be not ashamed gonna, of yourself. Because I'm not listening to. Help excuse me. John Coltrane in the Love Supreme. Well, here, here oh, it's so it. marvelous and wonderful. Oh my God! The like it's they a great just. Were you just quoting that that sketch? He's like, that was quite possibly the dumbest thing I have ever heard. Yeah. And may God, and may God have mercy on your soul. You want to go in the? I did the best job I could. Cole, you well, want to go in the penalty box? Winning award movie. Cole, penalty box. Remember the penalty box, buddy. That's mm. right. That's right. I will mute you. So, it, hey, it's 925. Are we doing a full 24 hours? Like, hey, I'm ready for it. Just let me know. I'll go get some coffee. Just we get a monster with- like, oh, no, we're on the fifth album. You just gave your fifth album. We got Cole, and then we'll wrap it up. was fourth album. Was it? Huh. I don't know. Who knows? No, I got one, two, three, four, five. I just did my fifth one. Well, I have three to four left. Take note for all of you Winthrop High graduates that Scott just counted to five I, accurately. <laughs> I one, did Sinead O'Connor, two, Nick Cave, Cole, <laughs> Nico Case, and the Pretenders. Aren't you guys? We didn't skip anybody. No, well, I think Cole is next. Yeah, but he thinks we only did three, but then again, <laughs> he's... I'm like zoning out. He's out on you on a whole album, Jack. So. You, you, you got to remember that Cole is only 13. They teach him the new man. <laughs> Listen, I like John Coltrane because he's got my name in his name. That's all. Well, Cole I don't know how we missed, how Cole might have missed an album. We just kind of <laughs> taken turns, but... Just, don't, just don't pay call. attention to anything that comes out of my mouth, and you'll be well, fine. We're starting right, to learn let's, let's that real it. fast. Let's hear it, All right. Okay. So, am I throwing you three? Is that what's going on right now? No, just give us the last album before Jack <laughs> has to go to bed. You got to get it going here. You got to remember, you're dealing with two cherry. Right. We, we need to get to sleep. You do. I'm retired. This is uh, this came out in 2014. It's my second favorite album from the decade. It's a, it's like a post punk album, kind of Talking Heads ish. It's called More Than Any Other Day by Ott. Some guys from Canada. <laughs> some and guys from just Canada. Just some guys. You know, whatever. Who cares? It no, but uh, it's just like it's an album that I heard because Pitchfork gave it, you know, like best albums of 2014. And I, I go through all those. And I heard this and I was like, holy smokes these guys are good and then i literally have never heard anybody ever talk about them ever again i'm like really? oh, what's this sound like like you said like talking heads it's like right? it's like a almost semi-nerdy post-punk 
it's it's a very diverse sounding album. Like every song has like a different kind of vibe to it. Uh, and then the lead singer Tim Darcy has has a little nerdiness going on. Like his lyrics are kind of actually one of the things I love about this album is. Um, and I'll be honest, I almost never pay attention to lyrics, except on this is one of the few albums where as I'm listening to it, I'm like also listening to what he's saying uh, for the most part. Um, okay. Cause like most of the time when I listen to music, I just pay attention to, to the sound of it unless it's like Bob Dylan or something where it's, the lyrics are just so good. You're just like, well, I have to listen to them. <laughs> I can't, I can't do anything about it. Oh, I'm well, sorry. Going in the wind. I'm sorry. Were you saying something? I I zoned out. Ah, boom. <laughs> Just, I'm sorry. Were you were you talking about an album? Well, you actually you ought to pay attention. Ah. Uh, so one one more time for our audience, the name of the band and title, so they can look for it. Okay. Uh. Hold on. More than any other day. Can you see it? Yep. By Ott. Can you see it? Uh, you know what? Yeah. I have to tell you again, fantastic cover. Jack's I, all about the cover. Actually, it, I, I'm not like super into this cover. If I, was, I, if I, I, could, I like it a lot because it's kind of different. So, mm. hey, Colt, uh, one of our viewers, uh, uh, weekly viewers and a fan of the podcast, Mark Flint said... <laughs> And this is this the cover? Oh, I, for, I forgot to say, yeah, I, I'll say this after. But he said, "Hey, howdy doody! It's best album night, not obscure, never heard of it night." No, so <laughs> I actually speaking of obscure, never heard of it. Cole doesn't know who Howdy Doody is. <laughs> I do know who Howdy Doody is. My dad was obsessed. Ah, was, there you that go. That was his so. favorite show. He had, in fact, he had a song that he wrote called "How to Do It Now." All right, that's a little fucked up, Cole. It's just facts. That's that's all right. Next time you get to bring your dad on, Jack, you got to put a tune to that. You got to put a tune to that. I'm I'm glad that Mark brought that up because I I was I was going to bring that up. Where like I'm not picking these because they're super obscure. Like they just happen to also be the ones I would pick. No, listen, man, they're your favorite albums. Nobody nobody can dog you on your favorite albums. That's it's just not it's not possible because this, this is the only five anyone it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. I like I like going through favorite albums lists. It's just my favorite thing to do. Yeah. Well, well I, I think it's cool. You know what I, I appreciate the fact that you've given us something new to kind of explore. So yeah, I'll like, listen you know, to Ott before I listen to fucking John Coltrane and Love Supreme. How's you're that? You're an idiot. You are an idiot. You're an idiot, idiot, idiot. And on that note, let's wrap this 90-minute marathon. Since we won't, I'm, I, we won't be on next week, uh, I might be just releasing uh, a past podcast uh, just to fill in for the for the 12 people that, that listen. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, listen, guys. This was a great show. Um 90 minute marathon. Jack should have been in bed a half hour ago. But uh uh Cole, stay on. Jack, stay on. Uh here's my outro from Scott the IT guy. And that's all she wrote, everyone. Thanks everyone for watching and listening. 
Make sure to like and subscribe and have yourselves a fucking green day. Did he just say that? Dude, you are definitely not getting hot sauce money now. You are definitely not getting hot sauce money. Jeez, he, he stabbed me right in the back. And here I was. He thought he was on Team Scotty. But uh, all right, everybody. Listen, uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you live in two weeks. And we Cole, are- thanks for coming on, brother. You were awesome. Yes. Yeah, you thank guys you, are Cole. great. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. And we are out. <laughs>